Welcome, everybody, to Infinity Rewatch. That's the name of our show. And the name of the guy who's talking right now is Andrew Fantasia. And the name of the other guy, he's going to say it because he says it better than me. What's up, everybody? It's Ryan J. Marvel. And today we're talking about Moon Knight Episode 3. Oh, I, all my notes said Sailor Moon. I'm going to have a lot of correcting to do. All right. I mean, moon prism power, baby. Moon prism power. Moon tiara magic. You know, the tiara, you know, instead of waiting, you, you should open with the tiara. It's just like Megazord. Open with Megazord. Yeah, like, open. Cut out the middleman. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, fun fact for you viewers out there, just to give us some credibility here. Um, I need we credibility, so please do. Yeah. <laughs> when we were in our acting school together, our teacher, surprisingly, was the uh, the the voice director of the American version of Sailor Moon, and he played he played Melvin with the swirly glasses. That's right, Roland Parliament. That man was he was a fun teacher. He was a fun voice teacher. I loved having him as voice. Uh, Roland, if you're listening, and I know you are. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. Yeah. I will never forget. I'll never forget when we were going through the demo reels of all our teachers, which was really, let's face it, it was more promo for them than us learning yeah. who they are. <laughs> but uh, our heads collectively exploded when we when we heard the Sailor Moon theme and lo and behold, <laughs> Roland Parliament uh, does the voice of Melvin. And it was every childhood dream come true. We got a beautiful like cornucopia of actors teaching us there. One of our actors, uh, Mr. Bourgeois, he fought Robocop once. Yep, along with Sujith. It was yes. the best. <laughs> Sujith was Megabyte Man, and it was everything you would have <laughs> asked for. You know, that's true. I forgot about that. They a lot of and it's funny because a lot of our teachers gave us a hard time about like not loving that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and or sorry, they told us not to love that stuff. And he, lo and behold, they did work in all of our favorite stuff. So they know they know what's going on. They know how how it is and how what fans like to hear. Uh, in, in their defense, though, that 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 kind of nerd world wasn't as big as it is today. It wasn't as mainstream as it is today. Not even close. Not even close. We were lucky. We we were. Uh, what was coming out around that time? Spider-Man 3. Yep. That was the biggest thing that was coming out. Um, and uh, actually, the first movie that we all saw together, the first movie I saw with you, do you remember what it was? Ghost Rider or Transformers? <laughs> it was Ghost Rider. It was Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> it was go or was it? Wait, what came first? Ghost Rider or Fantastic Four and the Rise of the Silver Surfer? Because uh, we, we did no. see those two. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was Ghost Rider because I think Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer was a little bit before. Was a little bit after, you mean? Or a little bit after. Because I, 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 I know we saw both of them together. It's just a matter of yeah. what came out first. I think we you're right both. with Ghost Rider, though. We saw the tragedy that was Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, lordy, 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 lordy. Uh, they actually just came out with the honest trailers for the Ghost Rider movies. I don't know if you've seen them, but uh, they make a great oh. point where they say the least realistic things in either of those movies is when mm -hmm. Eva Mendez asks the waiter if he thinks she's pretty, and he goes, hmm. 
<laughs> Eva Mendez of all people too. Oh my god. Wow, Eva Mendez. So nice. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer was 2007. So we were in like first year together technically. So I we think Ghost Rider was the same year. So what's uh Fantastic Ghost Four Rider. I feel like was June. I feel like Fantastic yeah. Four is a June movie. Ghost Rider, I'm gonna guess March. Or February. Ghost Rider was February. I didn't, I didn't look up the month, but Ghost Rider was 2007 as well. So we did all go see that together. Mm-hmm. I remember that because I remember I remember we were we were just having the best of times, jumping out of our, our seats to the wonderful to the wonderful world. Uh, this was February 18th. February. And our program yeah. was weird because it started in January. It didn't start in September. That's right. When did we finish? We finished in like August. We finished in like August 2009. So it goes from January to August, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It was uh, the weirdest, weirdest program. Yeah. Ghost Rider was the first movie we saw together. How about that? Mm-hmm. He's the only one who can walk in both worlds. <laughs> we, we found a way. Which is interesting because I'm actually going to talk about Ghost Rider in this video today, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. We're going to talk about it. And I, I'm going to describe why we're going to talk about it. But let's get into this episode. This Sailor epic. Moon time. Let's go. Let's get into this epic episode of Moon Knight. And this one is what I like about this personally is not only are they hitting the Indiana Jones note by giving it like this fun desert adventure, but the other thing I like about it is is that they're really, um, they're really, they really found the line of like keeping it comic book while trying to make it believable at the same time. Like, it is literally that beautiful line we always talk about where, you know, the second I hear, I want I want this to be real, is the, 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 the cringiest, like, line I hear from, like, a director. Like, he's like, I want to make Fantastic Four dark, realistic, and grounded. And it's like, those are the three things you never want to do with Fantastic Four. And in Moon Knight's case, you know, they found a way to keep it, they keep it realistic, but they kept it they kept it kind of i wouldn't say dark but they kept it they kept it fun they kept it fun with a mm-hmm. with a high level of realism in this way and it's it's really fun to watch this character kind of play through now as we kick off with this episode it's a fun kind of chase adventure in the beginning i'm always a big fan of that um and the kind of interesting thing they allude to in the first part of it is there's a new personality that that hasn't been addressed yet steve grant does admits that it's not him and Mark Spector is questioning whether it is him. So there's a lot. The speculation train has left the station on the internet. Everyone's trying to figure out who it is, you know, what it's all about. And I can tell you from my experience, it's one of two people. Uh, first of all, it could be his third personality, Jake Lockley, who's a taxi cab driver. Um, but he's he is used to violence. So it's kind of makes sense for him to kind of play up that character. But I also think it's probably his like Moon Knight personality, the protector of justice and like just this kind of because like Moon Knight is kind of like a Batman type. So he's going to be very, you know, gruesome. Um, So think of like a Batman with no killing boundaries. That's what kind of Moon Knight is. So it's a very gritty thing. So it's one of those two. Uh, A lot of people are weighing on the Jake, Jake Lockley. Why don't you think it's Christine Everhart? (laughs) Because it's stupid. (laughs) 
you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not even going to entertain that idea at all because it's not. It's not the answer. Ever. The answer is it's not her because she's busy being a nihilist. That's why. No, I'm That's not even going to entertain that. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. It is one of those two guys because it can't be her because she's off in space mm -hmm. making bugs. See, you guys but heard you it here. Ryan <laughs> is on board with her being a nihilist. I'm gonna walk out. I'm gonna walk out of the show, and that's gonna be that's gonna be heartbreaking for me. Um, so okay, so the interesting thing here though is his voice. You'll notice his mm -hmm. voice is slightly different when he meets up with Layla um and in Egypt. He has this kind of, but I don't know if it's just Mark being angry and low-toned, but like it's kind of but if you hear his accent, it's kind of like a new more New Yorkian kind of accent. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting to kind of kick off the show that way and, and talk about that. So what I like about this right now is they're, they're alluding to the origin story. I am curious. I'm going to ask you, this is a you never tell me the odds moment, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it. Never tell me the odds, Fantasia. What are the chances that we'll actually get a flashback of, of Moon Knight's origin stories in the desert with Raoul Bushman and killing the archaeologist dad? Every week, this is the third time, I always make a note to myself, look up Raul Bushman, because every time you talk about him, he sounds so interesting, and then I always forget to do that. Uh, but today I'm going to do it, damn it. Today I'm going to make good on my promise. So what are the odds we see him? Uh, well, I'm going to say because it's an idea you're putting forward, the odds are really good, because you were right about something this week. You're right about um, uh, what's Layla's father being an archaeologist. We were right on the money last week about that, sir. So I'm going to say this Raul Bushman flashback, we will see one. Um, I'm going to say next week we'll see a flashback um, and that the odds are 87%. Mm -hmm. That's fair. and I'm, But I'm curious, are they going to do a Spider-Man uh, Spider trick where they mention it, but they never show it? Right, like Spider-Man admits he gets bitten by the spider, but they never show that it happens, except for that they're going to do the freshman year cartoon and show him becoming Spider-Man and what have you. Yeah, but, but my point <laughs> is, in the movie, in the movie, they never show it. They always talk right. about it, but they never show it. So that's why I'm asking you the question, and I, I agree with you. I think it's pretty high that we may see it because the whole point of this, what I think is interesting, is the the flashback or sorry, the, the kind of flickering moment before he changes personalities, it kind of feels like he's having these relapses, like he can't quite remember kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's always remembering very kind of fuzzy details. So <clears throat> I, I think it's, I think we will probably see a full flashback uh, before he becomes Moon Knight and, and seeing what happens to him. But I'm curious because in the comics, when the origin story happens, uh, Layla's character, who is not named Layla at the time, it's like a Marlene something, I think, or Marla, or something like that. She carries him to the Conchu statue when he's half dead, and and then he's resurrected, and then she she sees him there. So it's kind of curious that they've they've played around with the details a little bit. Uh, yeah, like I don't know much about this lady it's just from what you tell me but i like what they're doing with her and i I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective as a fan of like what they've changed and what's the same um but the flashback thing seems very very likely especially because this isn't spider-man this isn't batman this is somebody that you've got to introduce the fans to 
Um, so there's going to be a disconnect a little bit until you do that, I think. True. This is a character nobody knows. Like, we know Spider-Man. And, and the same goes for when, and I'm going to say when at this point, because it's going to happen. When they introduce Wolverine, we probably won't see, yeah, we probably won't see his origin story, because we know it way too well. Do you remember and, a time in the 90s when Wolverine's origin was a big mystery? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Drove me nuts. And it's just like, but the, like what I loved about the cartoon was like every other episode was like a memory of his backstory. And they just kept adding the smallest details. <laughs> like, oh, Department H, this is where I still started. And then it's like, oh, but then I got invited to the secret facility. And <laughs> just tell the story. <laughs> And then uh, it's, and then and then they then they really flip you for a, go for a loop because then they're like, oh yeah, we embedded memories in him, so you don't know if his memories are his memories. Yeah, that's right. And I think memories is a great thing to put into this too because, again, not only do people not know who Moon Knight is, but even like Moon Knight himself doesn't know who he is, depending on who's in the driver's seat. So I think it's a situation. It might be something just like a quick montage, like what you get in Captain Marvel. But I think you'll see the origin of how he ended up getting this thing. It doesn't have to be lengthy because we kind of get the gist of it. He met this god. The god is like, I'm going to give you this suit now. Do what I say. And hilarity ensues. Um, and speaking of the god, Khonshu has become one of the most interesting characters in the MCU to me. I love this whole, I, like, I don't mean to jump ahead, but I love this whole dynamic of what happens to him in this episode. Uh, he's, uh, he's, I love what they're doing with him. He's just this like tragic, weird, kind of heroic, but strangely, he's like a cat. Like he's just minding his own business and he's like, don't F with me or I'll swat at you. But maybe, maybe if you're good and it's a blue moon and the stars line up, I'll let you scratch my ears. Right? Like mm -hmm. he's, he's just, He's so otherworldly, rightfully so, but he's also such uh, an interesting sort of spine to this series. Like he's the one present thing, no matter if we're getting Steven or Mark or Layla or whatever, Khonshu is always present. Even if we're getting Harrow, Khonshu is a big part of Harrow's story. In a way, he feels like the main character of this show to me. Uh, but I, I love what they're doing with him, but that, that's, that's jumping ahead for a bit. In the meantime, though, we're dealing with a cool thing right now where we're flipping it around, Ryan. Unlike the first two episodes, now it's Mark who's in the driver's seat and who is experiencing gaps that he can't control. How cool is this? This is really cool. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier where, like, they're really stretching out his story. And I like it because you're not giving everything up front. And because, like, you start with Steve Grant, you're slowly introduced to Mark Spector. And now you could be introduced to either Jake Lockley or like this Moon Knight persona. So it's it's really like they're really unraveling the character through like the journey of of as as Mark Spector is rediscovering himself, we're rediscovering the character with him. So I, I love I absolutely love that. And yeah, so I love that we're starting with Mark Spector in the driver's seat because I noticed the personalities are kind of changing the tone of the story. Uh, which is really kind of fun when it's Steve Grant, it's light, it's airy. It's like, uh, you know, you're kind of 
your kind of sitcom kind of experience like oh what's steve grant up to or stephen what, grant what's all this it, egyptian stuff then i'm scared yeah. Like it, well, it, and then the funny thing is, like I feel like I feel like if they were to do like a Wandavision story, or sorry, Wandavision intro for for Stephen Grant, it's at the end, it's like, hey, it's Stephen, and then like, <laughs> they kind of just kick it off into that. Um, but so the cool thing, the cool thing is, is yeah, I, I I like how the personalities are really changing the tone, and it is I think the other piece of evidence that that this alludes to uh, as well. Is that this third personality sets a really dark tone? Even Mark knew that he crossed the line with killing them, and 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 the tone is very very dark. And the best part is, is like Conchu Conchu, who's kind of just like the outsider of the whole thing, even though he's a part of it, is like, oh yeah, hold the guy off the ledge. He, you know, he'll talk. He'll totally talk. And like, you know, chop cuts off a scarf, and the guy goes for a swan dive, and he's like, whoa. Thought he would talk. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, but, but again, there's kind of this beautiful kind of musical tone to the show that every personality seems to dictate how the flow of the show is going to go. I think you and I need to take it upon ourselves to write the theme song to this Stephen Grant sitcom. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, like I could, I could hear it in my head. But I can't think of the words to put it together. Isabel is really good at kind of just like throwing words into a song. But like, let's see. Uh, he just works at the gift shop. He doesn't want any trouble. But now his personalities are doubled. Hey, it's me, Stephen. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> That's so good. That's so perfect. That is legit. That is actually, yeah. That's that's what I want to see. Um, but yeah, absolutely. But I honestly think that's the way it's playing out is like each character is kind of like a, a different tone of the show, which is, which is really fun for a character that has this kind of, uh, mental issue. Yes. Uh, they, you kind of need them to, to feed off each other. Um, so this whole thing with Khonshu now, Khonshu really takes, uh, he kind of takes the wheel here throughout this episode and he's like, okay, we're going to have this meeting. Uh, enough's enough. Arthur Hayo's a jerk. We are going to put him in his place. Uh, Harrow is uh, giving off full um, tote vibes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's just got his whole crew out there in the desert. Just like, start digging. We got to find, what's her name? Uh, Ahmet? Ahmet, yeah. Ahmet, yeah. He's looking for her tomb, I guess, out there. And uh, they've had enough. And Conchie's like, we got to tell the rest of the gods. And we meet, not the rest of the gods, Ryan, but we meet the avatars for the rest of the Egyptian pantheon, at least the sort of Illuminati of the Egyptian pantheon, if you will. Now this raises many questions. We I love it. Uh, this it, is exactly where I wanted to go. Yeah, so they're, they're fun questions. We, we know the MCU is all about, I mean, like the, the Norse gods are a thing. They are a thing. They are just these cosmic beings who are super powerful and they have a, thing where Tyrion Lannister makes them weapons in space, whatever. And we know from what we've heard about Thor, Love, and Thunder that uh, the Greek gods are also part of this and will eventually come into play. Now we get the Egyptian pantheon being a certified thing in the MCU. Um, what, What do you think of these characters as characters, Ryan? Are they going to be people that we see 
more and more often, the way we saw the Asgardians more and more often? And what will they look like? Because one of them made a comment of like, oh, Khonshu with his big over-the-top masks and stuff. So it seems like Khonshu does not look like the rest of them. What are we in for? That is a great question. And it's it's not one that can can be done in a short answer. So here's how I'm, I'm going to answer it in kind of waves. Uh, okay. So first of all, first of all here we go. First of all, uh, we go into the Pantheon and they foreshadowed this in the first episode. Uh, you know, Stephen, Stephen Grant talks about the Iliad. I think it's the Ennead, the Ennead of the Egyptian gods. And he right. says two are missing. Two are missing, and if and when they they arrive at this, they go through the portal and they go to the chamber and what have you. Um, Giza inside the temple of Giza, which was also foreshadowed in the first episode, by the way, because the girl puts the garbage in the in the pyramid of Giza. So that oh, that's was right. Yeah. So that was another nice another little nod there. Um, and when all the avatars come out, uh, the, in the end, there are only seven. Good catch, my friend. Good catch. Okay, so wow. now what does this what does this mean? How are how are how are the gods gonna play a role in the MCU? Now, what I like about this is that the gods have rules. The gods' rules are they are not to interfere. Um, and obviously Khonshu is not playing that kind of rule as much. He interferes um, for breakfast. Indeed, he does. Uh, he interferes when he wants and how he wants to interfere. It's it's all up to him. Um, I think what's interesting here is one of the gods. That I don't know if they now. This is something I didn't quite catch. So this is me speculating. I'm going to say it right out loud, so I don't want to steer anyone in the wrong direction. There is a woman there with a cat statue. Now that could be Bost, mm -hmm. and if you know Bost is the uh, god that led Wakanda to find the heart-shaped urge to create Black Panther. That's right. This is this is exciting. Say they don't do anything, but clearly they do. Because if 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 uh, Bost is doing it, Conscious doing it, everyone's doing it. Now, what's interesting here is I like the Avatar thing, and I like how common the language is becoming. In this show... Avatar is mentioned in the first episode, and and um, and Harrow even says it. He's like, he's like, oh, you're the you're Conchu's avatar or something like that. He's like, oh, mm -hmm. avatar, you mean the Bender guy? Like he does the whole thing. Yeah. And so the language now, what I think this is doing personally, I think they're getting ready to reintroduce Ghost Rider because Ghost Rider is the avatar of Mephisto, who is essentially the devil. Mm -hmm. So. I think that they're getting the odd. This is this is that fun conversation you and I have. They're getting people in the back of the theater ready, <laughs> ready for Ghost Rider because he's not an easy concept to cover. So, are you telling me that a the spirit of we're, we're about to meet somebody who's the only one who can walk in both worlds, and b Mephisto confirmed? Is that what you're telling me I right now? I I think Mephisto's coming personally because because of the way I it's just because of the way these gods are playing the role with the avatars. It makes sense because Mephisto breaks a lot of rules. He does his own he does whatever he wants to do. And so his rider, if you will, the ghost rider is is his instrument of vengeance uh is is going to be interesting. I th I think it's I think it's going to play a big role later on and 
And the gods not interfering, I think, is going to be interesting because um, I don't want to get too fight on the. I don't want to go too crazy on the Feige radar. But I think something is coming, some something pretty big, uh, that's going to require the gods to interfere. Are you talking something on an Erishim scale, a purpler? Hey, oh! I really, I think so because this 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 character is going to be a force of nature. But I think that the gods are going to kind of start, or, or like we could we. I think for sure we're getting secret wars at minimum, but even secret wars require Galactus to kind of kick it off. If you've read the the, the Hickman run uh, more recently, because Galact it was post Galactus that the events of Secret War happened, but it took like everything. It took like everything and everyone to make it happen. And then there was kind of like a split double universe thing, and then Doctor Doom hits like the reset button. So. I, I honestly think the Secret Wars are coming. It just makes sense with Feige because Feige, when you look at how he borrows comic stories and stuff, he takes certain things from older comics and then certain moments from older comics, moments that feel familiar, but events are more taken from the more contemporary comics. So, Rips. like, Captain America, for example, definitely hit some notes with Project Rebirth and, like, doing kind of the old school uh, feelings there with World War II Captain America and the punching Hitler thing. Like, those are moments we remember, and they throw it at you. They literally show you the guy reading the comic where he punches Hitler, right? Yeah. They show you those moments. But the overall story is, like, the ultimate version of Captain America because, in the end, he He's in the ice, he wakes up, and then he runs out into the street, and then Fury comes out of nowhere, and it's like, hey, stand down, soldier. It's okay. You won. You did it. So, so yeah, I think, so with with Secret Wars coming, I don't think it's going to be like the 80s one as much. It's going to have 80s moments, but I think we're going to get definitely the newer Secret Wars, which takes Galactus to kind of kick it off. And then it gets into the war with Doctor Doom, which is going to be really fun. And it, they're kind of already playing at the idea because they're already talking about multiverses, which makes sense because there is, um, there are kind of like altered versions of the characters because they all live in like Earth. You know, like DC had with the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Marvel had their version and did that kind of story arc as well. So we're already kind of seeing these progressions happening. So I think that that's, I think with the gods, and this is why it was a big wave to kind of get here. I think with the gods talking about avatars and stuff, I think it's really opening the doors for characters like Ghost Rider to come back. Um, you're right. We're definitely, I think we're, I think Zeus was confirmed to be in Thor Love and Thunder. That's right. He's Russell Crowe. And then I think yeah. Hercules was not confirmed, but we all just assumed that he's coming. Is that yeah, Hercules Hercules hasn't been confirmed, mm -hmm. but he's been rumored to appear on set. But I'm but playing him. See? <laughs> just yeah. like <laughs> eh, get away from me Thor. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it, i first of all you got to give hemsworth props like the dude looks bigger than ever like in, holy in god he looks like photo. he looks so big i'm actually worried about him yeah <laughs> like, it does not so, like, look healthy or pleasant to be that large 
Yeah, in the set photo, I thought that was really interesting because, like, in the set photo, in his Ravenger '80s kind of metal look, which I love, by the way, he's dude's dude's crazy big, and and I find it weird because, and I find it weird only because why would he become bigger? I mean, maybe it's the whole weight transformation, and that's why he's bigger. But unless you had to compare him to someone else who's supposed to be of equal or greater strength. Oh, see, I think. He's been spending all this time on the Milano. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he and Drax just both walked into the weight room at the same time one day. And uh, Drax was like, pretty human. I bet you I can do more reps than you. A fine yeah. challenge, green man. I accept. And then they just kept doing reps and like neither of them were getting tired. And then eventually he just got huge. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's, I mean, that is probably the most likely outcome. But I find it weird that they confirm that Zeus is going to be in the movie. Yeah. So, so and then and then we're dealing with, which is also interesting because we're dealing with Gore the God Butcher. Mm. So that is another interesting theme that's coming into play in this whole thing. I mark my words, Zeus is not uh, going to make it to the end of that movie alive. They're going to set him up as this giant, powerful guy because he's Zeus, and then Gore is going to be like. No, let's do it again on Christian Bale. And he's going to kill him. And that's going to assert him as a threat. And Hercules is going to be like, help my dad. Uh, avenge my dad. Just like he's going to be like the T'Challa of this movie. Hercules is going to be like, mm-hmm. they killed my dad. And uh, it's it's all going to be wonderful news from there. And maybe Khonshu or one of his homies will show up um, and uh, get taken out by Gore. Uh, mm-hmm. But Khonshu's in... He's on thin ice right now, or thin sands, depending on the situation. So while we're talking about the scene, this was kind of an interesting logic that uh, that Isabella was talking about, because she gets very invested in these shows as well, is that why didn't the gods investigate? They just I, they, they just kind of took everyone's word for it. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, like Khonshu, wow, that's a big accusation. Let's bring in the guy. Oh, yeah, I'm just looking around Egypt. Oh, you know, tourists come all the time. We killed him for that, you know, I'm going to have something along the aisle. And God's like, yep, okay, clearly this guy's saying he gets it. Uh, but I, I think that's where the, the story kind of, I think that's why the gods don't believe Conchu is because Conchu did pick someone who's an unstable person and he admitted it. He admitted he was an unstable personality. Um, so that was really, I thought that was kind of a neat little angle there. But now, it's funny because that right there, that should be the difference. Uh, that should be the deciding factor. Here's this guy. Here's Mark, who is admitting, I am a flawed, unstable human being. Mm-hmm. And here's Harrow, who is even more flawed and unstable, who's like, no, I'm totally not evil. Would I lie to you? Um, and it's kind of like, it's funny that that's the guy who wants to resurrect Amit when her whole thing is judgment. She's going to take one look at Harrow and be like, Dude, you're going first. Like, <laughs> you, you are a bad dude. Uh, so it's it's crazy. Isabella's right. It's crazy that the gods didn't kind of sit back and think, okay, this guy's admitting he's got problems, Harrow. What's your excuse? You're a shady dude with scales on your arm. You have glass yeah. on your feet. Conchu was your avatar once. You're not just here meandering innocently through the desert, smelling the flowers that don't grow here. What are you doing here? What are you doing exactly. in our desert? Uh, so maybe they're lazy. Maybe they are 
Uatu levels of disconnected and they just want to wash their hands of everything. Um, but I have a feeling that if all goes well for Moon Knight, when Harrow is defeated, they're going to be like, sorry about that. Let's let Conchu free. We owe you a favor. We'll help mm -hmm. you if you need our help in the future. <laughs> Galactus. <laughs> and there you go. Well, it's interesting, too, because I think Ahmet may, might kill off the Egyptian avatars and then thus mm -hmm. killing, like, disconnecting the gods, right? Mm -hmm. um, that could happen. I don't know. It's I like I like how, but I like again going back to what we started with is I like how comic book story this feels. This, I mean, but they do a good job of making it very intriguing and like very you know, and like you're very invested to see what happens. So this this Giza scene was really cool. I think it's I think it's really opening a lot. It's opening a Pandora's box of of potentially what we could see with other characters in the future so i think this is going to be a fun fun ride from here and i love that scene i like how the avatars um kind of i like how the avatars are just like how they come out of the person like the eyes glow and they you know yes such, such gravity and all this stuff so it's it's really again it was a really cool scene i think there's a lot more than meets the eye here with uh with this scene because it's really kind of creating a very interesting atmosphere for future things to come. I think we got to give a little nod, a little props here to Oscar Isaac, because when he has Conchu speaking through him, that's all Oscar. And that was beautiful stuff. Just like, and mm -hmm. he was doing that every line of dialogue. He was, his whole body was being put into it. Like, oh, listen to me. And he was just giving it his all. That was some great, uh, that could have come across looking really stupid, but Isaac sells it, man. That guy is legit. Yeah. So good. It's all him. in the subtle, all in the subtle details too. Like you'll notice when, um, you'll notice the scene a couple scenes later though, or even when he, even the scenes in the beginning is when he does the different personalities, the eyes change, like the yes. way his eyebrows sit for certain characters all change. And I was, Again, I, I was very interested to see how they're going to do the multiple personality thing because you look at Willem Dafoe when he does Green Goblin and Norman Osborn. It's the smallest facial things that they do that completely changes the character. So when Goblin does it, I, I love when Willem Dafoe does it. It's the smile. It's this like really cryptic smile and his eyes stink. And he's just like, I can't even do it, but he's just like... You know, like that kind of thing. And it's perfect. And with, with Oscar, when it's Steve Grant, there's more of like his eyes, his eyes are more open. Like, yes. it's just like he's just it's, like, oh. It's wide-eyed innocence. Uh, he hasn't seen all the shit that Mark has seen. So he is just like, all right. And Love it. in that moment where he, he gives Steven the wheel to look at the star chart, mm -hmm. that's where you see it the most clearly. Like he's, he goes from Mark to Steven. And that this is why you get somebody as talented as Oscar Isaac to play Moon Knight. Um, yeah, absolutely. You need somebody and, with his talent. It, and, and agreed. And I, but he's, he's that perfect Marvel casting where this is like, he's, he's famous, but I don't think he's like, you know, super mm -hmm. big fame yet. I think he's, he's getting he's, there. He was on, he was definitely on the cusp just before Marvel. Like he, he was pushing through that boundary. I can't even describe how, 
how big he was getting just before Marvel picked like picked him for this role. And I, it's just like as he was going on the upward rise to this level of fame that he has, Marvel just joined him along for the ride and helped elevate him further. Uh, but getting back to the story, so Mark takes us now to, uh, or sorry, Mark talks to the uh, the music the music god whose name escapes me at the moment. But fun fact: in Egypt mythology, those two gods actually did have a little bit of a you know flirtatious thing going on. So. Mm-hmm. You know who she reminded me of in that whole scene? She reminded me of uh, Monica Bellucci's character in The Matrix 2, where it's like he comes to get something, he can't get it, and then she pulls him aside and she's like, I hate my husband, so let me help you. <laughs> go, go in here. Right? Like that, I got strong. She even kind of looked like Monica Bellucci, but I got really strong vibes of that from that. I love Monica Bellucci. <laughs> she's mm. great. Um, so. So yeah, so she tells them where to go. Now they go to this place and they meet this guy uh, who's played by the uh, the late great Gaspard, uh, who unfortunately yeah, he died. Had, he had a skiing accident, uh, and it's again another person about to become super famous. Wow. Uh, not because not just because of the show, but because of his uh, rising career. Mm -hmm. He actually plays a comic book villain. Ooh. He plays a legit Moon Knight villain. Do you want to know his name? Yes, I have to add it to the uh, the Marvel uh, database here that we've been keeping. What's his name? His name is Midnight. <laughs> oh! That's... His name is Midnight, and you know why they call him that? <laughs> is it because he only has powers at midnight, and then they go away at 12.01? <laughs> Not exactly. It's because he likes stealing things at midnight. <laughs> Wow. Wow, dude. He needs yeah. a ho I'd say he needs a hobby, but clearly he was running his own little version of medieval times. So I think he has one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So we've got, I forgot to add Moon Knight. So I will add him there. And we've got Midnight. Wow. And of course, we've got Khonshu, the greatest one. Um, that is outstanding. Uh, does he have a costume when he's Midnight? Yeah, it's it's almost almost like uh, Moon Knight, except it's blue. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind blue. of like a black. It's a blackish blue, yeah. So there's Moon Knight. There's the black version who is Dark Knight. What did you say he's called? Midnight. No, the the his brother Shadow Knight. Shadow Knight, and then there's Midnight. So the three of them ever get together and fight at like night. All, all three, all three of them, and in broad daylight. <laughs> Let's be different. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think they have. At one point, they they probably all fought together. Um, yeah, but there's, uh, oh, man. Yeah, so that was, it, it was great. Again, another great way to introduce, I think this is a great way to introduce a villain because, again, I mean, it looks like you could have written it so many different ways. I mean, he got a moon dagger or a moon dart right to his back, so... <laughs> Either he survived that or he didn't, but I think he did because it's like it's essentially a knife going in his back, and as long as you don't take it out right away and go to a hospital, you should be fine. Uh, but again, don't know. I'm not. I'm not a complete medical expert here, so I am, and uh, <laughs> that's a lie. Yeah. Um, but I, this is another great example of, and I think you said this once um, about how Marvel has a bajillion and three characters in their wheelhouse, right? 
So yep. whenever there's a point where it's like, we need a random guy to be a villain for half of an episode, instead of writing a random guy, you know, you go to the Marvel database and you're like, here, use Midnight. Uh, and, and like, and I, you know, thank God you have somebody like uh, Dave Filoni over at Star Wars who's doing the Lord's work over there, doing the same kind of thing where they're like, okay, we need a bounty hunter for this scene. Let's just uh, write this bounty hunter. It was like, actually, there's a perfect one that we can use from this comic. Here he is. He's a Wookiee and he's evil. Like, there's so much to pull from. So don't be afraid to pull it. You're Unless they have super big, huge plans to incorporate Midnight into Avenger 6 Electric Boogaloo, then why not just put him in here? To the people in the back of the theater, he's just that random villain that you were going to put in anyway. But to the people at the front of the theater, you just give them an extra treat. So why not? Well, why exactly? Why not? And and this is not something new that Marvel does. In fact, in comic books, a character will appear in panels, and you won't, you may not even get anything from that character till issues later. And they'll even say like, "Oh, I was like, uh, there's an X Men comic I remember having uh, that that showed a character that was a passenger on a plane, and then later on, you find out that like I think that character was a spy." And they say they'll they'll say, oh, I saw you on the plane, and it'll have an asterisk, and it'll say issue this, page this. So you'll always get the reference of where they are. And I don't know why Marvel doesn't push that forward, like continue to do that. And I think it's it's more easier to do it now than it was because yes. apparently, like apparently, like Marvel Phase One and Two, like you signed on for like a ten picture deal. It was a commitment. But now I think with Marvel, like they'll say, hey, you can jump on this project. And you know, if we want, if we want to come back, if we want you to come back, we'll issue you a new contract and we'll put you in for that. So it's done by like case by case basis, which I think probably is a lot more work for Marvel in terms of actor contracts. Because again, like if again, like you have to imagine the team that did the team that got Chris Pratt for Guardians, because in the same year he did Jurassic Park, and mm -hmm. and he before that he was essentially. This this care this goofy guy in Parks and Rec, and it's just the timing, the timing of everything he was doing was just like the perfect storm for him to explode in the fame because because in, in that same year he does Guardians and Guardians is a huge hit and Jurassic Park it's funny because Jurassic Park came out after and they were saying they were lucky to get him because he's I mean, imagine now hiring hiring Chris Pratt for anything it's probably gonna cost you an arm and a leg for sure. Which, if you were Jurassic Park at the time, it's like, oh yeah, of course we'll, you know, probably let's say a million bucks. So like, well, yeah, we got we got this guy Chris Pratt. He's very funny. He's good, entertaining. Million bucks. We have him on this project. And it's nothing. And now he's probably like, you know, almost like a hundred million dollars, like something like that. Jeez. Yeah. Now it's uh, now he's playing Mario for some reason. Um, right. But but yeah. So you look at. So my point is, is like you look at. You look at someone like Midnight with Gaspard, uh, which is unfortunate what happened to him. Um, but like, you know, it's going to be harder to like, you know, with characters like that, let's say if they have a really successful thing, they start getting a ton of projects, re getting that contract later could be much harder as opposed to getting that, you know, commitment where you can just start throwing them in projects. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter. You already got that one big contract. So 10 movies, we're going to do it. Like Holland. Holland, I'm sure, is untouchable now at this point. Like, oh, yeah. Now he's like, he's at the top of the food chain now. And he's just a kid, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I think what what saves it, because you're right, it is a harder thing for Marvel. Like they made it harder for themselves. But I think what saves it now is that 
what they have now that they didn't have in phase one is the prestige that they have. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, to bring it back to Star Wars for a minute, because all roads lead to Star Wars, that's just a fact of science. Ask Neil deGrasse Tyson, he'll agree. Uh, the same thing happened with the Star Wars actor. Way, way back in 2002, you got Attack of the Clones coming out. They hire some Joe Schmo named Joel Edgerton to play Uncle Owen when he's a young man. Now he is a hot commodity. He is like one of the most talented Australian actors like working in Hollywood. And yet when it comes time to bring Uncle Owen back for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, they go right back to him. And he's like, of course I'll do it because it's Star Wars, right? So they have that prestige. They've, they've garnered enough goodwill that people care about it and people want to because uh, you diminish the project a little bit if you have to recast just because somebody didn't want to come back. You do. Yeah. You diminish it a little bit. Um, so you you have people who care enough about the product that they don't want it to diminish. So they say, of course, I'll come back. Of course, I will come and do this again. Uh, and you can't get that with a lot of franchises. Uh, so it's, it's mm -hmm. very, very... Uh, Marvel's in the right spot for it to do this. So, but it's it's unfortunate that this guy passed away because he, he seemed like a, a fun little little character. But it's great for Marvel to throw us people like Midnight so that we mm -hmm. can look them up later and be like, oh my God, that was a character. Well, I'll be darned. <laughs> well, one other thing I do like that they're doing in this this particular episode that we can talk about is the culture. Like they are throwing in a lot of culture in this show. Like not only are we getting music from from Egypt, like. Or sorry, I probably should just say Egyptian music, but like the sports, like the sport he was playing, I've never heard or yeah. seen of it, and and yet it, I mean, it looks fascinating. I have no idea how it works, but the fact the fact of the matter is, they Marvel clearly did their homework to a point to a point where it makes me want to learn what it is and how it works. Yes. Uh, so I thought that was really cool, and it's little things too, like even when um, uh, Layla. Uh, when she first met up with Mark, she bought like, I think it's what I would say tea. I don't know. But they give they gave her a little pouch with a straw and the guy has like a giant, giant tea drum, I will say, and right. it, with a giant spout and he just like pours it and he walks <laughs> around. But like these little things that really settle the world, like set you in the world and it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference uh, to kind of be exposed constantly to this and the other thing i like that this show does too is that the fighting styles as again someone who really loves fighting styles um when mark fights the the th uh, what i will what i will define as the thugs because that's what they are they're, they're the thugs of amit or whatever um they they have a very unique way of moving and that i'm sure i'm 100 sure that's from egyptian culture but what I love is that that the thugs fight that way in Egypt. They're not just like this best super trained generic fighting style. It's it's a very much uh, native to that that culture. Yes, they did. There was a lot of beautiful beautiful cultural stuff in here. Cultural stuff is always about the details. It's not about shoving things in your face. It's about what's going on in the background. What's in people's mm. hands? What are people eating? What are people doing? How are people dressing? It's dancing, that, singing. dancing. Uh, and I mean, I think this might have the best music of any Disney Plus show Marvel's done. This score is just fantastic. Moon Knight's got a great theme. 
the end credits theme is just a banger. Like I leave that on and I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love what they're doing with the music with this and, and learning about all these cool things. I, I made a, like a mental note of that actually when they, when he goes on the boat with Layla and they start going to this guy's place and you see those little snippets of the culture, it's very rare for an American production to set anything in Egypt and move away from Giza. Because like Giza is what everybody knows. Oh, Great Pyramids, yeah. Sphinx, the Nile, done. Cairo, done. Um, but there's, Egypt is a huge country and there's a lot more going on that we don't see. That's just the tourist area, Giza. Uh, and that's what American cinema always tends to do is just zero in on the tourist areas. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone made a really good joke about that when they were making uh, Team America. And they said, every time Team America goes to another country in that movie, we made everything look super fake and touristy because that's how Americans picture those cities. Like this is how an, an American pictures Paris. Like everybody's got a baguette, everybody's walking right under the Eiffel Tower, right? So it's like with, uh, with Egypt, you always get, oh, it's Giza, oh, it's the pyramids. Uh, so to take us away from that and show us the more rural areas, just show us people living everyday lives, that's beautiful. And that's a great way to just get us to notice these things that you wouldn't see in the tourist trap areas like that. I love that. I love mm -hmm. that so much. Not as much as I love, though, ancient star maps that lead to treasure. This is what I've been Cartography. waiting for. Oh, boy. Ryan, since they told us that we were getting Indiana Jones vibes, I have been waiting for stuff like this. I've been waiting for like the Dan Brown moment where they have to put something ancient together and it's going to tell them where to go. And this whole idea of looking at the stars, which is a very ancient Egyptian custom, all of their architecture was all about the, the moves of the celestial bodies. And then to have that, uh, and again, not a lot of American uh, movies about archaeology would be smart enough to know this, but Thousands of years ago, yeah, Layla's right. The stars are not going to look the same. So what does Khonshu do? He breaks all them rules. Uh, let's talk about this sky. He moves the sky like he's spinning the Wheel of Fortune and he's just going and flipping through the, the ages. I have to imagine, Ryan, that the rest of, not just Egypt, but the rest of the world the rest of the planet, first of all, they wake up and they're like, oh, wow, okay, everybody's back from this snap thing. Wow, what a weird world we live in. Oh, there is a giant stone man that came out of the Pacific Ocean. I'm a little bit frightened. Now the stars are moving. You know what? I think I'm going to move to a different planet, right? Like this is, this must be horrifying. The regular civilians of the MCU must be horrified. Uh, how, what repercussions do you think we'll have from this? Because I want to see some. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you're moving the the stars and, and all these things, like assuming you're moving planets too, like you're moving the solar system essentially is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, that could potentially, you know, align certain planets to unlock a gate and some other creature can come through it. I don't know. But the other thing that you're right about that kind of deserves a bit more of a more critical eye for, for viewers is, um, is you're right. This is going to have repercussions. But what's interesting is, is that these things 
will be seen by other characters. It's got it's got to affect other characters. I I noticed that they even took the time to show you that people are reacting to this giant streak of light, yes. which is the, you know the stars moving so fast. So, and also what I find is interesting about this is how the MCU team, uh, led by our our champion Kevin Feige how they're playing with the mcu now like it just seems like the universe is such a play toy at this point where you know back in iron man captain america days like it's it's the character you know who impacts situations where now characters are impacting the freaking world like just like they're just like yeah i'm just gonna move this guy doing (laughs) similar doing a similar motion Uh, i wish Conchu had made that same noise (laughs) (laughs) but but doing a similar motion to uh, a certain wizard uh out Mm. there a sorcerer supreme if you will um so yeah there's uh i i definitely think there's a lot of repercussions here i did like the the map i love the puzzle of the map which was like oh if we hold it to light you'll notice the pin marks of the constellations yeah brilliant um and again i think again i always love those kind of stories where each character kind of has a piece of the puzzle and it's you're kind of trying to figure it out with along with the character so i I really love that as well um and what's interesting is is that conchu is now turned into stone which means that mark specter doesn't have his power anymore now i don't know now what's interesting is is that conchu technically keeps mark specter alive so I don't know if he's going to be dying as they need to figure out how to get the power of Conchu back or if he kind of just hit the reset button and he's technically free, but he's obviously still still got the uh, multiple identity disorder. So that's kind of an interesting angle if you want to look at it because, yeah, um, without his power, I don't know how he's going to get through this. Yeah, I mean, if Conchu's going to be trapped for, at very least, the rest of the entire next episode, uh, I mean, that's as good as place as any then for them to kind of rewind the clock a bit and talk about his origin. Because he's not going to have any abilities. They're going to be on the run. I think him and Layla are just going to be trying to do things uh, the traditional way, which is with human fists, which is a very Indiana Jones thing. And uh, Absolutely. He could, he could be remembering, like, when he got the power and what it's like and stuff. Um and, you know, who knows, maybe that's the perfect time for personality number three to step in and say, I got this. Because maybe personality number three doesn't even need the suit. It's very possible, which would which would be kind of interesting if the third personality is like the, the a Moon Knight persona that he develops with his relationship with Khonshu. Um, kind of as like, you know, the imitation is the highest form of flattery kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But the Jake Lockley thing, I think everyone's kind of hoping for the complete character. Um, and I think that would be also another smart move with that. So again, yeah, it was in, but it was interesting because I was like, man, like I'm like pretty sure Conchu keeps him alive. So like, how, are <laughs> gonna, how are they going to get through this? Um, so, so yeah, and it, my feeling and going – and uh, man, we are just – Perfect segueing slash full circling this episode here. We've gotten good at this by now. We yeah, we got a nice got a nice rhythm to this. So to kind of bring it back full circle, 
This is why I asked you the never tell me the odds question, because in the fifth episode, if he's going to get Conchie's power back, I wonder if they're going to kind of replay the events that made him become Moon Knight. Uh, it's kind of like he has to redo it. It's like Peter has to get bit by the spider a second time uh, and, and basically replay all that. And then we get to see the origin. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant way to do it. I like this very, very much. So that's that's the prediction. That's the prediction of where this could go. And I agree with you. I kind of would love the 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 replay slash sorry the instant replay slash um, I don't even know how to say it. Like the the re origin story, if you will, where yes. it's kind of like not all the elements that created the origin story are there. It's kind of like a, a walking through it again without all these elements, but but giving you the idea. So that that's going to be really interesting to see. But so far, this episode, again, another solid entry for Marvel. And another solid entry for Marvel. And there, I think we have to be smart about the Feige radar here. Mm-hmm. Um, because in this episode, there are a lot of clues that that were foreshadowed before so you don't want to do this like oh everything's going to be something now but at the same time it seems like they're alluding to a lot of bigger things that could play out down the road like oh yeah this is our avatar blah blah blah. and like and then you know down the road it's like um, Mephisto's going to say something along the lines of i'm going to send my avatar and then you won't know till like the following week that it's ghost rider something like that yeah. could happen don't know but i i just think that that language is really interesting that they're making it so apparent well what i love so much about this show is that so far for me the feige radar has never come up once because i'm i'm having such a good time living in this very separated world that I don't care. And I, I, that's how I want a lot of Marvel things to be going forward is I want them to, I don't want to sit there thinking who's going to pop up. I want to sit there enjoying what's happening and then be pleasantly surprised when the Minotaur from Doctor Strange 2 makes a big cameo and does a song and dance number. Uh, and Kate Bishop is riding on his shoulders with a bone arrow. Like I want that to all shock me. So I, I'm just, I'm along for this ride. I love it. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us with this. Uh, do you remember in episode one when I, uh, we were talking about like our checklist of things that we want? And I yeah. said that I would love a scene where uh, all his personalities are like sitting around a table arguing or something like that. Um, I'm going to change that around a little bit because we're kind of getting that. And I think now what would make it even more interesting is I want to see in the final episode, uh, he's got to go through some kind of booby-trapped temple right? Like all kinds, like this ancient, there's axes swinging, whatever. There's all these different puzzles and traps got to deal with. But here's the thing. Some of those traps, Mark knows how to handle. Some of them, Steven knows how to handle. Some of them, cab driver, what's his name, knows how to handle. And he's got to switch between them like he is, you know, flipping through a Rubik's Cube. And, you know, he'll be running and he'll be like, Steven, now, own it. And then Steven takes over and does this. And like, I want to see that. I want to see him fully uh, basically the thing that we love in superhero movies, which is finally using his powers to their fullest potential. And that th- these personalities really are his powers. He's basically a mm-hmm. sensate, just with two, maybe three people in him. So I want to get to that. That's where I'm going. I couldn't agree more. I think that would be pretty fun to see. I would love to see that. I 
you know there's a couple things i'd love to see but it's so feige radar like so far out there um i'm still hoping for a blade appearance which would be pretty cool um i would also i would also love to see a reference to apocalypse you know what dude this is the place to do it we're in egypt oscar isaac is here i mean that is a really really cool I, even though he is my least favorite x-men villain i don't care that is a cool place to put him why not i think it's really fun i think it'd be a really cool idea it doesn't have to be anything big it could be just like off the corner of your eye like it could be something so small just something just something so so tiny uh would be would be just make it would just make the world so much bigger but i think that's the kind of thing marvel is doing technically like like spider-man's like we need a lawyer well who do we go to you could either go to you know just a random generic character or you can throw in daredevil which is kind of cool mm -hmm. and we have seen an x-men reference before in wandavision so you know this is kind of the right time and place to do it uh speaking of time um and uh you know, even resetting the clock could have awakened Apocalypse's, uh, is, uh, you know, pyramid or whatever. So yeah. that's possible too. Uh, but anyway, so that's something I'd like to see. Uh, but you're right. I think that's really fun to see kind of the three personalities have to each, you know, on the, on the, you know, quick on a dime, they need to be able to switch and solve these issues and stuff like that. Um, I think the other interesting thing we have to start realizing is the pattern of the of the story so far. So we got the introduction, and we know that the last two episodes is kind of like, or sorry, the fourth episode is what do we do? The fifth episode is we have a plan, we're going to start to execute it, and then six episodes, the final battle. So yeah. that seems to be how it's going to play out. But you're right, man. Like I'm, I'm all for it. Like just I'm along for the ride. It is so fun. I think what I like about this particular character and show is that with Moon Knight, because even the even the strongest Marvel fan, um, even like someone like me, for example, I think is the right kind of Marvel fan for this, that knows a bit about the Marvel world. It's nice to see a character that you don't normally think about, and it kind of lets you enjoy this as any other you know new fan would, because like you just don't know much about the character, but you know him but you don't know much about them. So you're kind of getting a whole new world out of it. And in the Marvel United board game that I'm still waiting for uh, the expansions, uh, Moon Knight is a playable character, my friend. So I'm excited to get that little mini and have some fun with that guy. Um, no, no Arthur Harrow to beat up because uh, he's pretty obscure. They didn't put him in the game, but that's okay. I'll make him beat up like Carnage or somebody. <laughs> yeah it's it's so it's so sick it's just the coolest thing so again uh, more characters like this like let's see all the let's go into all the crevices of marvel and just see all these cool areas um and and imagine like what this imagine what this story is doing for moon knight and what they're going to do with blade like someone like blade this is going to be real this is going to be a fun ride you said it brother three more episodes left we're halfway through it well Ryan, where can the good people find you when you're not on Infinity Rewatch, rewatching Infinity? 
Uh, well, you can always find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada, representing Xbox Canada, talking about all the wonderful things that are going on in the wonderful world of Xbox. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me on my social media feeds, just hanging out, throwing up some posts every once in a while, uh, on Twitter at uh, Crusader Online and on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead, period. Do you no, no actual period, though, but just right. You can I'm put not. a period, but you probably won't find them at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do me a favor, do your sky moving noise one more time for me. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember how I did it. <laughs> Country's having a great time with his powers. Uh, and you can find me, Andrew Fantasia, on the Andrew Fantasia YouTube channel, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also go to Amazon.com and buy my book, Side Scroller. This is it right here. It's orange. Okay. It looks like an Atari cartridge. Even the spine does. Uh, you can get this in ebook or paperback, whichever you prefer. Uh, buy a copy for every single human you know. It would help me out a lot. Uh, yeah. In fact, I heard that if you do that, Ahmet will judge you as pure and you'll survive. So I'm just, I'm just saying. That's what I heard through the grapevine. Anyway, that has been another episode of Infinity Rewatch. That has been Moon Knight, episode three. Until next time, everybody. He just works at the gift shop. He doesn't want any trouble. And now his personalities have doubled. Hey, it's me. <laughs> it's Steven. Welcome to my show. Have a marvelous day then. All right, all of you. <laughs> <laughs>